Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Ring of Boxing. I cannot wait for today's show. We have a great fight to recap from this past weekend in the lightweight division, a division that I have been talking about and been hyping up ever since we started this show. It is such a talented division. We had a bout this past weekend in Las Vegas that, in my opinion, was multiple years in the making, and I cannot wait. So, Let's just jump right in. This past weekend in Las Vegas, we had the WBA lightweight championship between Javante Tank Davis and King Ryan Garcia. Fight was at 135 pounds for the lightweight division at the MGM Grand in, excuse me, T-Mobile uh, Arena in Las Vegas. A fight that has been in the talks for multiple years now. I remember back in... Probably the fall of 2020 when Ryan Garcia was really starting to come onto the scene. Same thing with um, uh, Javante Davis. He's been on the scene for a little bit longer than that. Both are extremely young, right in the prime of their career. Lots and lots of potential from each side. Javante Davis is a Mayweather guy. He's been kind of brought up as a little bit of a prodigy kind of um, of his Kind of followed the same kind of footsteps in the lower weight classes at first, in the junior lightweight, now in the lightweight division. So, who knows, he might be moving up later on his career. And I'm going to tell you right now, the way that Javante Tank Davis took care of business this, this past weekend, I have no doubt in my mind that down the road for him in the future, higher weight classes... I have no doubt that he would be able to succeed in those either. So this past weekend during the fight, King Ryan Garcia got um, knocked out in the seventh round. Seventh round in boxing, I've just noticed. And a lot of really high-profile boxing fights is usually a uh, <laughs> kind of a perennial round or the round that a lot of fighters end up going down, whether it's a KO or a TKO. So that's always something I, I was kind of look for. I predicted an eighth round knockout from Davis. I was off by uh, probably maybe two minutes. The uh, In the seventh round, Davis took out Garcia with a liver punch right to the left-hand side. The liver punch is extremely interesting because that is a crushing blow that Garcia has used so many times. There have been so many opponents opponents of his that have gone down the same way. Garcia, a big fight that he had back about two years ago in January 2021 when he fought Luke Campbell. Garcia got put down the first time in his entire career, I want to say in the first round of that fight. Later on during the fight, I want to say probably, I want to say like in the third round, I want to say it was, Campbell went down. He took a massive, massive left hook right from Garcia, and he stumbled for about two seconds and then dropped to both of his knees. You could just tell he was in such, such tremendous pain from the from that liver shot. So Garcia to go down by his very own weapon was very, very unique to see. I, I, I didn't think he would beat Davis, and I had a feeling that Davis would either win by decision or by knockout, but... For a knockout, especially to a liver shot, the very tool that Garcia uses all the time, I hate to tell you, that's that's a really shocking thing to see. You kind of see the uh, the executioner be executed. So definitely a definitely a wild uh, scene to see. So uh, during the seventh round, he did get put down by that, but Garcia also got caught in the um, in the second round too. In the second round of the fight, 
um, Garcia got clipped with a really pretty much like an uppercut uh, hook kind of combination between both from Davis. Garcia was pretty aggressive early on in the fight. He was really throwing those uh, those hooks kind of, they were flying. He was, he was punching very freely. Davis was definitely shielding himself. He had some pretty good defensive technique. There's a little bit of a height difference between the two of them. Garcia is about five foot eight. Davis about five, five. So he has a little bit more of a reach to him, but I think those uppercuts and, um, that Davis was able to utilize towards his advantage being able to kind of have that height difference, he's kind of able to duck and to foresee some of the blows that Garcia was trying to land, kind of able to counter, do a little bit of those kind of uh, bend down ducking techniques. Mayweather did a lot of the same things and it was just really, really successful for him. Uh, Davis probably you know studied him, obviously, tried, probably trained with him on several occasions. So he definitely saw that in his arsenal this past weekend too. But when he ducked down in the second round, he kind of got clipped right on top on the top of the head by Garcia's um by his hook shot. But Davis landed a punch square right in the middle of the face of uh Garcia. Garcia went down and you could kind of see in his face like, okay, it's <laughs> it's gonna be that kind of fight. And whenever I see a fighter go down, especially um for a headshot in like the first couple of rounds, I think they, they're not necessarily surprised, but it's kind of a test that they determine, okay, can I take his punches? What does he have, you know, up his sleeve? What is he working with? I heard that once actually by Bruce Seldon. Bruce Seldon was a heavyweight champion uh, for a very brief amount of time in the, in the mid nineties. And he ended up losing his belt to Mike Tyson. Um, it was actually a wild night because that very night was the night that Tupac was killed in Vegas. Tupac actually did the ring intro walkout music for Tyson as he walked out. And Tyson in the very first round ended up beating Selden. But Selden, when he got hit, he kind of even said in you know an interview many years later down the road, he said, you know, when I first got hit, I'm like, okay, I could take his punches. I could take his punches, but... Tyson ended up eventually knocking him out in the first round. So not that he couldn't take the punches, but they obviously were too much for him to really continue on as determined by the official. So I digress. I think that kind of same kind of look and attitude that Garcia had kind of nodded his head a little bit, kind of, you know, understood what Davis was bringing towards him in that fight. And Davis early on, he wasn't swinging as much as Garcia. Garcia, like I mentioned, was really throwing his hooks around. Not really much of a, the same defensive mindset, I would say, as Davis really has. Davis really came out kind of studying. The first round of boxing on any high-profile fight, for the most part, unless it's completely you know lopsided, as we've seen in some fights, for a first-round knockout. But the first round in boxing in any really high-major-profile fight, you know, Fighters are feeling each other out, kind of seeing, you know, what they're bringing, what kind of attitude they're going to have. Because you got to remember, no matter how much training these guys do, ultimately, they're just going by tape. They're going by sparring. They're going by just possibly facing other opponents that the other fighter had gone by, maybe speaking with them. So, But ultimately, until you step into the ring against this guy... You're not going to know what they're going to bring, especially for that fight, because every fighter, I think, though they have the same preparation, they're going to treat every fight a little bit differently based on the skill set that the other guy brings. So the speed and the hooks and the, you know, 
the um, the side jab punching power. Davidson obviously had to prepare for that. Ryan Garcia opposed comp uh, compared, excuse me, to other fighters that he had fought. He had to be prepared for Davis's big uppercut power and his speed. Davis has a lot of speed too. Doesn't have the same length in his body that Garcia does, but he comes with a big arsenal, so much punching power. And we saw that a couple years back when he took out Leo Santa Cruz with that knockout uppercut, completely took him out cold. And you know he, he's never a fighter who's not going to bring his A game, never going to really unleash his power. So he definitely did that in that first second round against uh, Garcia. And Garcia took it, obviously. He got up rather quickly. It wasn't like he was lying on his back for a majority of the 10 count, but got up, kind of reassessed. They finished out the round. So I mentioned a little bit about the height difference. The age difference was a little bit of a, not completely a big gap, but Davis come, comes in at uh, 28 years of age, five foot five, southpaw stance, Undefeated record um, going into the fight of 28-0. and 27 of those wins coming by way of knockout. Garcia, a little bit younger, 24 years of age. I mentioned he's 5'8", orthodox boxing stance. Going into the fight, had a record of 22-0, and 19 KOs. So both of them have a pretty high average for a knockout rate. None of them is, are really coming in, you know, 20 wins, you know. Half of them, or a little bit less than half, by way of knockout, a lot, of, a lot of split or majority decisions. Both of them were pretty, you know, accurate and uh, really coming in with really a pretty stacked resume of knockout power. And there was never really a big opponent that they had really faced prior to this. That was really a big test of time. This was the fight for both opponents. I think that was the. Um, difference maker in all their previous matchups this was the biggest fight of their career for both opponents so obviously like i mentioned it started off the show i'm sure people who are listening to this have tuned in to see replays those who caught the fight live know that davis won by the, in the seventh round so in the seventh round he took that he took that um they're kind of tangled a little bit when they were right before davis landed the the gut shot to the uh, to Garcia's right hand side by his liver, so they were kind of tangled a little bit. They were kind of you know throwing in some punches to the body. Garcia was trying to do some stuff to him. Davis landed a punch. He got an angle, wound up his punch, landed it. In my opinion, and for what I've even seen on the replays, it didn't really look like it landed that directly, or it was really that strong. But I guess the angle in which he landed it. You know, you don't know sometimes, and obviously you're not the one taking the punches, but Garcia took maybe two or three steps back. You saw on Davis's face, like, he even looked, looked a little surprised at first, like, oh, wow, that did land, that did really have that impact I was going for. Garcia took a couple steps back, and then he took a knee. And you could see, not only did he take the knee, he was in pain. And when you take a knee from a gut shot, especially a liver shot like that, and you're looking at probably... A 10 count, if you haven't gotten up by five or six seconds, likelihood is you're in pain, you're not rising back up. He took the 10 count, and you could even, you could even see in his face, there was not like a, a rush, like, oh, I have to get back up, or, you know, he's not like, wasn't really like seeing the referee, like, give me some more time. He kind of just looked in the referee's eyes, and he kind of had to look a little bit like, I'm not going further. This is it. During the press, during the post-fight interview in the ring, Garcia kind of um, was speaking to um, the interviewer, and he said, you know, it was 
definitely a shot. I was in too much pain. I couldn't breathe. So he kind of br brought forth why he couldn't really continue the fight. So what I saw going into the fight, Garcia came out with swinging very early, like I had mentioned. His big sign signature uh, left and right hooks. Davis's height definitely came as an advantage to him. He was able to really duck and counter with his jabs um, that he had. That first um, knockdown of the second round, I think, really set the pace. I think it kind of really set um, Garcia's tone, too. I think he kind of realized that, okay, if I'm going to be bringing out this power, I'm going to be swinging my, my punches loosely, I need to have a little bit more of a strategy. Davis, like I mentioned, he had a lot more uh, defensive mindset in this fight. Garcia, obviously, he's not just like standing out there with his, you know, arms towards his sides. He had his stance, his orthodox stance up there. But you know what? I honestly think that Davis's um, defensive approach that he brings, really ducking, see a lot of Floyd Mayweather in him. Uh, that's that's a difference maker. That's gonna definitely not only cause you to you know stay safe, but it's also causing your op opponent to swing and miss, waste it, and exert his energy. Not landing the punches he needs to. So Davis, that skill set that he brought, that was another uh, knock um, knock on his resume. Not knock, but another, um, I guess you would say, um, aspect on his resume that definitely brought forth a, a good uh, advantage to him. So the, a couple of things that I saw too. Davis, his approach, not only defensively, he was patient. He was definitely, definitely patient. He had really good footwork too. Whenever Garcia was really kind of going after him, whenever he did kind of bring forth those hooks, was going for some jabs and everything, good footwork. Davis knew how to counter. He knew how to counter. Whenever he was in a rope, in a bind, bounced around. Whenever he was in a situation that got tangled up, moving around, ducking the ducking the punches, making sure he was protecting himself. When There's going to be times in boxing for everything I've seen where it's inevitable, you're going to be hit. Obviously, you're going to protect yourself the best way you can, but if you could limit that or find ways to kind of, okay, let me sprinkle let me sprinkle it out a little bit. Let me duck when I have to. Let me kind of, if I'm trapped in a corner, I know he's going to land some body shots at least to me. Let me move around. You know, he has to follow me. You know, same thing when he's in the corner too. If he's not going to move, I'm going to land my punches. So that approach of being patient, I think definitely came towards his advantage. Um, I mentioned the, just going through my notes here, I wanted to discuss so much today, and um, he definitely came with great um, patience, like over Garcia did, and one thing I noticed too, and I've noticed this on so many fights, is when Garcia did land punches, had Tank in the corner, was really, you could tell, in a position to be in control to land something, when he did, he did not follow up. I've noticed that for so many fighters where they land a punch, but they don't counter. I've noticed that with Anthony Joshua in the heavyweight division. I've noticed that with Deontay Wilder. I've noticed it with Tyson Fury. Maybe just, you know, seeing the golden age or not golden age, but the old age of boxing about 30, 40 years ago with Mike Tyson. When he landed a punch, he kept after you. One person I've noticed, though, in boxing who does do that is Andy Ruiz. When he did that against Anthony Joshua, when he had Joshua once or twice, he landed punches. He, sometimes they weren't even hitting. He kind of looked like he was swimming out there. <laughs> but you know what? He was throwing every punch he could, and he was making sure he landed them. So that's something I didn't see from Garcia. Like, if you have the guy on the ropes, or you land the punch, and you could tell, 
that it made its impact and the guy was, okay, he's composing himself again, you have to go in there again. You have to strike when they're weak, when they're at least expected. So Garcia, I'm not necessarily saying that would have claimed him the victory, but you know what? It definitely could have put him in a better advantage to maybe get to a decision. Maybe you never know what could have happened, land a punch. Davis may have not been in a position if Garcia landed a punch or a couple punches, if he did follow up to land that um, significant striking blow to the liver in the seventh round to Garcia. So we never know, but my opinion, you have to follow up on these punches. It's something that's just super, super necessary. So um, that hook shot just completely took him out. And it just, it was something that... I don't think many people were expecting, especially for Garcia. Like I said, the executioner became the executed. So definitely a wild thing to see. Um, when he spoke to Jim Gray in the post-fight press conference, Jim Gray did say, were you expecting to not continue during the fight? And Garcia just said straight up, like, I couldn't breathe. Couldn't breathe. It was too much pain. I couldn't. So he didn't really sugarcoat it. He was very humble in defeat. Um you know, Tank Davis, very humble in victory as well, in my opinion. Got up on the ropes like every fighter does whenever they have a big victory in a fight, especially a, a knockout. But you know what? It was it was a, a decent fight, in my opinion. I don't think it lived up to the expectation I think so many boxing fans were waiting for. The lightweight division is so stacked, so I see these guys running it back or having another clash with another highly ranked opponent in the division. So I see these guys definitely in the spotlight going forward. So it's it's definitely a fight that I could see being run back. Garcia, I know, probably wants it. I'm sure Tank wouldn't be opposed to it as well. They both, I'm sure, <laughs> made, a, made a lot of money. So it, uh, it definitely wouldn't surprise me if they run this fight back again someday. So what's next going forward? So Tank Davis right now, he's the uh, WBA champion for the lightweight division. He, you know, on top of the world for that division, in my opinion. The other fight, though. In the lightweight division, coming up on May the 20th, is, is going to be between uh, Vasily Lomachenko and Devin the Dream Haney. So that is going to be something everyone should have their eyes on because po potentially the winner of the Lomachenko-Haney fight could be squaring up maybe later this, later this year against Javante Davis. That fight, if it's between Haney and Davis, that'd be stacked of epic proportions. Two Americans going for the lightweight division. That'd be crazy. If Lomachenko does beat Haney, which I do think he certainly can. Lomachenko's an extremely talented boxer. Huge accuracy rate for all the all the punches that he throws. Very, very wise. Very smart person. I could see that fight going really either way. But if Devin Haney does become victorious in that bout next month, goes against Javante Davis, that is a huge fight. Bigger than Garcia, in my opinion. Just gigantic. Both are champions. Both undefeated. Haney, a lot of punching power. You saw what he did in the two fights against Cambosis. I could see that being a really big fight. That I would definitely be willing, to, not be willing to tune in for, but not willing to miss. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, Davis, Davis, right now, over the past couple of days, I would see, I've been seeing being labeled as as the face of boxing. Face of boxing, I'm not really sure. Of the lightweight division, yes, I'm not gonna deny that. I think people always knew his power. Obviously, his under undefeated record always have people saying, "Okay, he's a good guy," but you know, is he good as Garcia? As he good as Garcia? As Haney? Obviously, he's better than Garcia. He beat Garcia. Is he better than Cambosis? Cambosis obviously lost. He kind of fell off. Tiafimo Lopez left the division. 
um, to the welterweight now. So other kind of people, in my opinion, I don't know if it's the face of boxing. I think in order to be the face of boxing, you need to be definitely not only undefeated or have that supreme strong record, but you also need to be really at the top of your division. I personally don't think he's at the top of the of the, of the division right now until he's unified um, and undisputed. So until he unifies all the belts, beats the winner of the Haney-Lomachenko uh, fight, in my opinion, that's that's where it's ultimately going to be. So that's what's going to be probably next for him. Hopefully that'll be a huge fight if that does come to fruition. If he does fight, which I'm sure he will, the winner of the uh, Laney, uh, not Laney, uh, Devin Haney, <laughs> so I got the mixed up words, between Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko, that bout is going to be next month on May the 20th. Be sure to tune in, tune in for that. So, you know, Devin, um, not Devin Haney, but Javante Davis, excuse me. I know people said, you know, He's the face or the king of boxing now. He's already a champion in multiple weight classes. He was a super featherweight, obviously lightweight now, super lightweight. You know, what 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 could be next for him? Maybe junior welterweight. If he conquers the lightweight division, you could put him into the welterweight division for the juniors. Go against a Josh Taylor or a Teofimo, or a Teofimo Lopez. You never know what the sky the limit is for this guy. He's he's he got a good build he's not too tall so he could definitely put on muscle if he does that he's more than capable of conquering multiple divisions i don't think i would ever see him going up to a middleweight to a canelo that's about 40 to 50 pounds right now that's that's a big big jump but definitely for the featherweight he's been successful i'd like to see him conquer the lightweight and like i said maybe they do welterweight junior welterweight down the road that'd be really cool too so what's next for ryan garcia fight again soon you know, I have to say, the reason why Garcia lost this fight, in my opinion, not only because of the little bit of the higher boxing IQ, better defensive approach than that that Davis had, is Garcia's fight, um, fight lapse. And what I mean by that is, he doesn't fight too often. Javante Davis, this fight was in April, this past Saturday, the 22nd. Davis fought back in January. The last time Garcia fought was last July. Before then, was April, but it was almost a year prior before that fight. You have to fight more consistently. Canelo Alvarez even said that. It's not only going to keep you relevant in the game, get more admiration, more notoriety, but you need to keep keep yourself sharp. I understand you could train, spar, study as much as you want. Nothing is going to give you not only that experience, but that opportunity to compete on the big stage to succeed, to get to that next level, then fighting in the ring against these guys, whether they're ranked or unranked. So, my opinion, you need to fight more, Ryan Garcia. I want to see you in the ring uh, more often. I'd like to see you fight once, maybe twice again this year, maybe sometime in the summer, maybe later in the fall, but would love to see you back in the ring, ring again soon. Like I mentioned, there's so much competition in the lightweight division with uh, Lomachenko, Haney, Cambosis, um, a rematch against Davis. So, I think the Garcia, you know what? Fight the fight the uh, possibly the, maybe the loser of the um, Lomachenko uh, Devin Haney fight. If Javante Davis wants to take some time off, have a different opponent, maybe give Garcia the bout. You have to fight unranked, ranked. Give yourself the opportunity to be put in a position where you can succeed. Have that opportunity for the belts. He finally did that right now against Javante Davis. I've said on previous shows. Garcia has fought against so many people who have not really been ranked all all the time. There's always been whispers, headlines about him fighting Davis, and he finally did. 
either stay relevant and continue fighting, whether they're ranked or unranked opponents for a title shot, or go for that big championship bout. You need to keep yourself active in there. Canelo Alvarez you know, at one point said, when I was at one point your age, I was fighting maybe three, four, five, three, four, five times a year. Garcia needs to, to do the same thing. He cannot fight once a year, year and a half, have a layoff. I understand he had some personal problems with depression in the past, but in this business, in boxing, for what I've seen and what fighters have said, if you're not fighting in the ring, you're just you're not going to be relevant. You need to stay in the ring for your own self and for your own your your business and a brand at the end of the day. So, something he has to remember. So, experience is definitely going to play a factor in, in his success. So, we'll see who he goes up against next. I hope it would be sometime this year. So, that's going to be the rest of um for what it would be uh shown for the rest of the year. Hopefully he'll uh, have another bout sooner or uh, something planned rather than later. So we'll see who comes up uh, for both fighters as we approach later in the year. Um, we have some great bouts coming up in the next few weeks. Um, I Like I mentioned, on May the 20th is the fight between Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko for the WBC belt in lightweight division. That's going to be a really exciting fight. Sometime in June, they've had some whispers already. Mid-June, the ongoing ever hopeful welterweight championship bout between Terrence Bud Crawford and Errol Spence. Will we get it? I'm not sure. We're going to preview some more fights down the road. We're going to be back next week going back on some recap of some really exciting heavyweight fights. We'll see on some rankings and we're going to be back soon. This is Beyond the Ring of Boxing. Bing bong, it's game time in New York. Put your Tim's on. Live from the garden, homie, the Knicks is on. We got whatever you want. Bring your squad. Yeah, fix your face, stupid. Live from New York, it's the Knicks take stupid. When you win, they come in, start to hate stupid. Feel a ball up the court, fast break, stupid. You better stop running your we have a great show for you today at the Sports Source. We're going to be previewing some playoff basketball what has happened the past couple games to my new york knicks in the second round for the first time in 10 years it's been a long 10 years of nothing but absolute dismay misery pain physical and mental i will i will say that <laughs> welcome everybody to the sports source i am your host alex nardone i cannot wait to go over what i want to talk about today for the great playoff basketball games we've been having so far in the NBA playoffs. Two exciting series, the Knicks versus the Miami Heat in the semifinals, and the Los Angeles Lakers against the reigning champion Golden State Warriors as well. It's been nothing but an exciting series. So, I'm just going to say this. As far as my Knicks go, since they made it to the playoffs this year, and I'm going to just preface by saying one thing. If you're a Knicks fan, and... Over the past like year and a half, two years, maybe through some growing pains and struggles since we got back to the postseason two years ago, since we hired Thibodeau as head coach, any like Knicks fan, I put fan in quotes, if you're saying that you want to get rid of Tom Thibodeau, you're out of your mind. You're not a Knicks fan. You're not a basketball fan. You're like, you know, you're just a, probably a terrible person. <laughs> I'll just say that right off the bat. There's no way. Are you kidding me? The awful, awful dumpster sludge garbage of head coaches that we had over the past 10 years like Kurt Rambis Kurt Rambis looks like he took a two by four to the back of the head every single time he took the he took the court he was a complete 
idiot. Derek Fisher, Derek Fisher one time, they were being blown out by the Rockets like they always did when James Harden almost came to the Garden. And I remember he looked at them and he gave them like a motivational pickup speech that you would get to like a peewee CYO youth league. Like they put on their shoes one at a time, just like you. I'm thinking like, this is the head coach of the most valued NBA franchise. You got to be kidding me. Got to be kidding me. So that being said, Tom Thibodeau, you've been head coach for three seasons now. Going on your fourth. I think you signed a five-year contract. Give him, give him another five-year extension. Knicks fans have wanted to hire him as head coach about 10 years ago when the Bulls foolishly let him go. Foolishly let him go. So you know what? He's ours now. We love him. Knicks fan growing up in Connecticut. Always been here. He's here now. Tibbs, you guys in the playoffs to the second round. Okay, so game one against Miami. 10-point lead right before, right before halftime. Second half, what happened? Obviously, they didn't come away. Didn't come away. Didn't come away. <laughs> excuse me, with the win. That's a problem. Game one, you got to remember. Ten years ago, when the Knicks played the Pacers in the second round in the semifinals, they had a problem too. First game, though they're coming off six games in the series prior against the Celtics, they beat the Cavs in five this this uh, this past year. A little bit maybe more well rested. They had about maybe three days, maybe like a day and a half in between. About 10 years back. But you know what? This series against Miami is a little bit different. I do believe, and I firmly stand by this, this Knicks team of 2022 to 2023 is a better team than the 2012-2013 Knicks. And that also does not count in that the 2012-2013 Knicks had scoring champion Carmelo Anthony, six-man of the year J.R. Smith, Coming off of a Defensive Player of the Year award, Tyson Chandler. The Knicks this year, they had none of that. No MVP. Manuel Quickly, in consideration for six men, did not win, obviously. This Knicks team is still better. I don't think they had the same amount of wins. I think that team in 2012 had 54 wins. This team was about 49. I'm saying right now, they're better. They're younger. They're faster. More agile. They could do a lot of things differently. Game one against Miami, they did not close out when they needed to. Miami is going to be a tough opponent. I know they're an eight seed. A lot of injuries. Butler was out a little bit. You know, basketball is a weird sport. You could have a team win 10 in a row and also lose 10 in a row. And those 10 teams you lose to, they could be like beer league, AAU, not to discredit the AAU, <laughs> but they could be absolutely terrible teams. So... Anything can happen in basketball. Any given night, someone could go off, be a rookie, bench player, give a career high, whatever. Miami Heat, though, that all being said, they are not a bad team. They have been in deep playoff runs the last two, three, four seasons. They went to the bubble finals in 2020. Jimmy Butler went to the length last season against the Celtics. He's a good player. He's been playing in the playoffs for more than 10 seasons now. He has great players around him. And Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is a NBA champion, one of the greatest point guards of all time. And and the biggest challenge for the Knicks is going to be Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo is a fixture of complete muscle and superiority over Mitchell Robinson. And I say that I love Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson, though, he is a twig compared to Bam. Bam is completely chiseled. He is just out of control strong compared to him. 
better offensive player. Can shoot from the three. Can make his free throws. Mitchell, you miss your free throws all the time. Looks like you're hocking up a brick there, man. I hate it, but you know what? You got to get better. That's going to be the difference maker. That was the difference maker in game one. A little bit of the difference maker in game two. Game two this past week on Tuesday was a wire to wire. Not cool. Knicks, why is it not cool? Jimmy Butler did not play one minute of the entire game. Had an ankle problem at the end of game one. Didn't play that strong. They sat him for game two. He's smiling courtside thinking, okay, wait till I get back down, back down to South Beach. I'm going to show you what I'm all about. He was not playing, obviously. But you know he had it in the back of his mind. This is what I'm going to bring for game two. This is what I'm going to be all about. You can have your little fun here in the garden. I'm going to say it right now. And I'm a Knicks fanatic. I've been Knicks fan through, I'm going to say good and bad because it's been mostly bad. I'll say bad and good. <laughs> but Butler, he is a great player. The Miami Heat, another thing that most people forget. Though he has not been the coach of the team for more than a decade. Pat Riley, Knicks legend, Knicks coaching legend is the president of basketball operations. He has so much to do when it comes to evaluating talent, placing them on the court, and developing them. He does such a fantastic job. Pat Riley, Jerry West, so many of these great basketball iconic figures. May he rest in peace, Bill Russell. They see the game differently. They have a very different look upon how talent should be developed, analyze all this different stuff. So he knows how to bring good pieces around other players to really compliment them. You know, Gabe Vincent, uh, Gabe, um, Kayla Martin, these are really, really good players to put with Bam and Kyle Lowry. Like, these are also players that you have to remember, like I said, they've had deep playoff runs over the past two, three seasons. This Knicks team, this actual core right here, they've not had those deep runs. They've had a couple players here and there who have played in the playoffs, but not had the deep runs. The Miami Heat, they had the experience. I know they're going to take it to the Knicks tomorrow. It's going to be a good game. 3.30 matinee game. Let's go. Tomorrow is a huge, huge day in sports. So much going on. So that's going to be great. Also, the other series I want to discuss as well. As crazy as it sounds, the Miami Heat being eighth seed, upsetting the one seed Milwaukee Bucks, who just axed their coach, Mike Budenholzer, won a championship form. Eight seed, seven seed, lower seed, doesn't matter. This playoffs has been made for upsets. Los Angeles Lakers upset the number two seed Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. Number two seed Memphis Grizzlies with John Morant, likely the greatest player out of the 2019 NBA draft. That was the one with RJ, Zion, Zion Williamson, who never plays, all these other players. But you know what? John Morant is was the best player. LeBron James and his Lakers, they just upset him. They upset him in five games, I want to say. Unbelievable. Is it, though? Memphis Grizzlies, maybe a little immature team, not that much experience. LeBron James, who has more playoff experience than him. Whether it's good or bad, he knows what to do. He's been in the trenches before. He knows how to come down. He knows how to get his, uh, gather his team together. Good, bad, home court, away court. He knows what to do. That being said, the Lakers have been matched up against the reigning champion Golden State Warriors this second round. This first game the other day was nothing but a treat. Golden State Warriors, home court advantage. They have needed to win at home this season because they look like they have blindfolds on their, on their heads every single time they shoot a basketball when they play away. They are absolutely 
atrocious playing on the road, the Golden State Warriors. So, Lakers come in game one. Lakers win. Shock? Not at all. Golden State Warriors, their offense, though it's so high and so unbelievably stoppable times with not only Steph and Clay, they've added all these pieces over the years with the Wiggins, with the Jordan Pools, the Dante DiVincenzos. They've added so many other players who've really complimented them, who can really dish out those extra 15 to 25 points, maybe closer to 30 points some nights from the three-point range. They're athletic. They're younger. They got better knees. The difference is going to be the height and the size. The Golden State Warriors do not have that. And the same thing happened to them. What is happening this series happened to Golden State back in 2016. 2016, greatest regular season record ever. 73 wins, 9 losses, Golden State Warriors. What happens? Killed in the playoffs, get to Game 7 against the Cavs, blow a 3-1 three, lead. Why did they blow, blow a 3-1 lead? You could say and make every argument, the league is rigged, it was made this way. The shots start, started stopped falling. The shots stopped falling for the Warriors. And the Warriors at that time, they had no interior game. The Cleveland Cavaliers, however, though, they had an unstoppable interior game. They had Kevin Love. They had LeBron James. They had Tristan Thompson. They had all these guys who could make plays in the paint. The Los Angeles Lakers now have players who can make plays in the paint. LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is one of the greatest centers who's ever played. He had 30, re 30 rebounds in game one almost. <laughs> he was unstoppable. He had like 30 points, 23, re 23 re rebounds. He had like a Wilt Chamberlain game. Out of control. Lakers also have a good complement to the Warriors too. They have shooters. They not only have LeBron James who can shoot from the distance. Austin Reeves, young kid. Also have D'Angelo Russell. Should never trade him. D'Angelo Russell should have never been traded about probably two or three times during his career, but he's always been pushed away for an option that so many teams thought was better. So the Lakers, just to give you a little side sidetrack on D'Angelo Russell, he was drafted by the Lakers in 2015, second overall. Played for about two, three seasons. Had some kind of locker room problems on the team. Magic Johnson shipped him off for Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball, they trade him for Anthony Davis, so moot point. D'Angelo Russell gets moved around a couple more places. <clears throat> Goes to Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets, D'Angelo Russell, match made in heaven. They were so good together because every his shot was made for Brooklyn. I'm not saying any court is different any, any other place in the country in the NBA. He thrived so much in that team. The pieces they put around him, he ran the offense, great shooting percentage. What did Brooklyn do? They got infatuated by Kyrie Irving for lack of a better words. Took a dump on that franchise, okay? I'm going to just say that. No more into that story. I'm not going to give Kyrie any more attention than he deserves. He loves it entirely, entirely too much. So you know what? Back to what's going on with the Lakers right now. D'Angelo Russell, they got. They got Rui Hachimura from the Washington Wizards midseason trade. Picked up another good piece as well from Jared Vanderbilt from the Utah Jazz. So many good pieces. Complimented LeBron. Rob Palenka, general manager. You did a fantastic job at the trade deadline. Added, added the pieces you need to elevate yourself, get into the playoffs, get to the next round, beat the T-Wolves in the playing game, beat the Grizzlies in the first round. They're in the second round right now. 
against the reigning champion Golden State Warriors. And they're going to win. The Lakers, the 7th seed Lakers, Los Angeles 7th seed Lakers, who were in the play-in tournament, who were pretty much below 500 the entire season, struggling, losing streaks, injuries, coaching uncertainty, everything. They have not only made the play-in tournament, not only have they beat the second seed Memphis Grizzlies in the first round, they are going to beat the reigning champion Golden State Warriors in the second round of the playoffs. They are going to the conference finals. Going to the conference finals as seven seed. You could potentially, with the Lakers and the Heat as an eighth seed, have two seeds on the bottom tier, seven and eight, one of the worst teams in the league, <laughs> make it to the conference finals and their respective um, uh, conference. Unbelievable. Unbelievable postseason. So what we are witnessing right now. With the Lakers and the Warriors. Lakers, I'm going to tell you right now. They're going to win. They have the height. The shots will not eventually fall for Golden State. That happened in game one. All they really have to do is really block out Curry. Curry runs that entire offense. Everyone else pretty much. They're just a wing shooter. It's just really about getting a pivot. Getting a lane. Curry, he makes the shots, moves the ball, gets it to the person he needs to get to. You take him out, get him in foul trouble. It costs him to turn over the ball. The Lakers will win. They have the height, and they also have the interior people who can score in the paint too. LeBron James, Anthony Davis. These guys can do the work. The, the Warriors do not have that kind of player. Draymond Green, he does have good interior presence. He always makes trouble for pretty much any single player he plays against, gets inside their head, crowd gets against him, the opposing team gets, gets him, uh, hates him so much, he becomes just a villain. But you know what? LeBron and Davis, they're overmatched for him. He's a, they're better shooters, more strong. They're just stronger, excuse me. <laughs> they are just a, they're overmatching Draymond. So I'm predicting right now that series is going to go six games in favor of the Los Angeles Lakers. So we have some big games coming up tomorrow afternoon. The Knicks play the Heat at 3.30 matinee game three. The Knicks, they're going to have to come out strong. They cannot let the Heat do, two, do one of two things. Get comfortable from shooting from three-point range. And then two, get in foul trouble. The Knicks early on, the first part of game two, neck and neck the entire contest without Butler, all without their star player, allowed themselves to constantly get to the line, always have an available three-point shot. They made Martin and Vincent look like Chris Mullen on Golden State and Ray Allen in the finals with the Heat. They made them look absolutely pristine. They're good shooters, but they're not all-star caliber players. They were not elected to all-star games this year. They were not scoring champions. They're role players. The Knicks making these role players look like perennial art all-stars. Can't do that. They got to push them on the paint. They have a better match at the point guard position with Jalen Brunson. Brunson stepped up so much in the second half of game two. Ended with like 30 points a night. Huge clutch three-pointer. Later part of the game, R.J. Barrett. Anyone who's been trashing R.J. Barrett, not only during the playoffs, but during the regular season, like check yourself. Like seriously, he's 22 years old. He's averaging like 25 points in the postseason in the second round. Like, you got to remember, in 2019, he was the second overall pick. Excuse me, third overall pick. First pick, Zion, never playing. Second pick, Ja, already out of the playoffs. RJ right now, everyone was checking him like, oh, we got to trade him. Trade him for who? 
What other 22-year-old are you going to be having on your team in the playoffs right now scoring close to 25 points a game? He's a terrific rebounder. You don't realize how tall and how much athletic jump R.J. Barrett has. It's really, really impressive. Good rebounder. Gets to the rim. He drives, draws fouls, gets the other team team in in foul trouble, gets to the line, puts points on his board, puts points on the board for for his team. There's no contest. R.J. Barrett, Jalen, Julius Randle. You need to check yourself, man. You cannot go into situations like he has had in the past in Miami. In Miami, back towards the end of the regular season. Had a little bit of a blow up against the ref. Kind of started yelling out quickly a little bit. Not cool, man. You got to be composed. Your team needs you. You can't get in foul trouble. You cannot be distracted. You kind of just have to block out all the noise and, you know, play your game. You know, you're a two-time All-Star. You're... Probably our best scorer on the team the past two seasons. You, you got to be focused, man. And I know all Knicks fans, I'm telling you right now, we know you're capable of doing it. We've looked to you the past three or four seasons. You made the plays. You're a terrific rebounder. And you got to stop overthinking. Too many, like, too much overpassing, I've noticed at times. Open shot. Okay, I'm going to do, like, a drive and then maybe do, like, a trick pass. That ends up leading to a turnover or a travel. And also, stop overthinking. Julius Randle, it's been so many occasions he's been trying to, like, Overdribble, loses the ball. Overdribble, off his foot, turns it over. Stop overthinking, man. Just, you have the size and height. You're so strong. Utilize it, man. The Miami Heat are a good team, but you match up well against them. So, you know what? You're on our side. Bring it to them. This is New York. We're not we're not taking anything here. <laughs> so, game three tomorrow. We got to be prepared. We got to come out strong. We need to get to the foul line as much as possible. Get them in foul trouble as much as possible. Get them out of the game. Get them in trouble. I want to see at least two or three Heat players foul out tomorrow. Going to be great. And also, Game 3 of the Lakers going to be coming up this weekend against the Golden State Warriors. What's going to happen? Series is shifting back to Los Angeles now. Home court for the Lakers, tough place to play. Golden State Warriors, they are terrible on the road. However, though, this past series in the first round against the Sacramento Kings... They were down 3-2. Not only did the Warriors take business at home to tie up the series, they also won in enemy territory on the road Game 7. Sacramento, a team, the first two games of the series ended up going up two games to none. The Warriors took care of business, were composed. you got to remember one thing. One thing. Champions, one time, multiple times. They've done it once. They know how to do it again. No joke. Knicks, you beat the first round against the Cavaliers. You can do it against the Heat. Beat the Heat a couple times this year. One time down in Miami. Huge clutch shot from Julius Randle towards the end of the game. You could do it again. No problem. It's going to be an awesome series coming up. We're going to do another recap next week for those two series and some other cool games and on uh, some other exciting series going on as well. Thanks so much, everybody. This is your host, Alex Nardone from The Sports Source.